global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks rising around the world as base metals clawed back some of Monday's losses. The yen's declining and Brazil's real advancing. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up about 8 points. Dow E-mini futures up 68. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 11. The DAX in Germany is up half percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change. Yield 1.75 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.71 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 8 tenths percent or 36 cents to 43.80 a barrel. Comex gold on a tenth of a percent or a dollar twenty to twelve sixty five forty an ounce. The euro a dollar thirteen seventy six. The yen one oh nine point oh nine. Allergan posting first quarter earnings that beat analyst estimates in the first financial report since its one hundred sixty billion dollar proposed takeover by Pfizer collapsed in early April. It also said it'll buy back as much as ten billion dollars in stock. Its shares are up 1.8% this morning. Gap down more than 10% after reporting same-store sales fell in April. And Dean Foods, the largest U.S. milk processor, posted better-than-expected first-quarter profit after cost declined and the company's Dairy Pure brand gained market share. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Up 12, up 3, now up 8 are the S&P futures. It is 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. These days, food and beverage makers are under pressure from critics who say their sugar and salt-laden products are a public health disaster. It's a potentially existential threat for these companies, and it has been fascinating to watch them craft survival strategies. It has also been fascinating to watch their executives handle the question of which, if any, of their products they actually eat. Warren Buffett, a big Coca-Cola shareholder, is known for consuming large quantities of the company's products. The man drinks five cans of Coke and Cherry Coke a day and brags about it. Younger corporate executives, though, tend to be more focused on fitness and health. A Nestle executive quoted in the current issue of Bloomberg Businessweek said he nibbles on Nestle dark chocolate, but only on weekends. PepsiCo's Indra Noye once said that she drinks full-strength Pepsi, but that nobody else on the company's executive floor does. The CEO of General Mills said he eats low-sugar, whole-grain Cheerios to keep his cholesterol down. The CEO of rival Kellogg, on the other hand, said he gobbles honey smacks, which are 56% sugar, every night. I don't know if that should reassure Kellogg shareholders or scare them. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Greg Valle has a really tough job, Tom. He is, uh, of course, the political analyst, chief uh, global strategist at uh, Horizon Investments. And in that job, he has to figure out what the presidential candidates' proposals mean for the economy and for investors. And, Greg, uh, when you look at some of the proposals out there and then some of the things that the candidates are saying, it must be really hard to try to figure out, when, especially when you have a candidate uh, like Donald Trump who changes his mind about what he's suggesting every five minutes. Sometimes I think I should take Dramamine just for the uh, motion sickness that all of this gives me. Uh, good morning, guys. You know, the, to me, the most astonishing story of all right now is that in so many respects, Trump is looking like a Keynesian. 
stimulating, uh, raising taxes on the rich, spending more money, talking about national health insurance. It, it's extraordinary to try to figure just where he is on the spectrum. Well, he came out last week and suggested the U.S. could renegotiate its debts, which gave a heart attack to everybody on Wall Street. And then he came out this week and said, oh, I never said that. And then yeah. when it was pointed out that he did, he said, okay, well, I didn't mean it. Yeah, I mean, I I did a piece a couple of days ago about how everywhere you look, that that's a big theme now, restructuring debt. All the Sanders supporters want, uh, the kids want their college debts uh, forgiven or restructured. You've got Puerto Rico, you've got the Teamsters uh, Fund, you've got Chicago, you've got Illinois. Everywhere you look, everybody wants to get their debt restructured. I want to get my debt restructured. Me too. <laughs> Tom, you want yours? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with it. Greg, uh, your last number of notes have been just on fire. Thank the you. sweat of it in the, not anger, I want to make clear, Mr. Vallier tries not to give an angle, but just the shock and awe of your analysis of the grand old party. Where will the party be in one year? What's your best guess? Well, it's a tough one to handicap, but I would guess, first of all, Tom, that uh, they'll try to put a good face on the meeting on Thursday. There'll be peace, maybe not love and understanding, but there'll be some uh, understanding, I think, that uh, they have to band together because they want to save the House and Senate from a debacle, from a huge losses. So I think they'll try to put on a good show in Cleveland. I think they'll try to show that they're unified, but it's awfully hard to see Trump winning this election. Well, go ahead, Mike, please. Well, could there be more than one Republican Party by the end of this year? I don't see it. I think that story is overrated. I don't think there's going to be a third party because I don't see I don't see a person who could head a third party. There's an obscure senator from Nebraska and some other names floating around. No, I, I think they're, they're stuck with him. And by the way, I should point out, there were new polls out this morning showing that Trump is not that far behind Hillary uh, nationwide. Yeah, I saw the Cleveland Plain Dealer yeah, uh, headline in, in on that. Yeah, so in some key states like Pennsylvania, if you believe Quinnipiac, uh, it's close. Okay, still... okay, Rust Belt. Let's cut to the chase. The, the, yep. There have been eight articles in the last 48 hours on Rust Belt. Is the Rust Belt analysis any different than four, eight, or 12 years ago? Well, probably for this reason. The deep, deep antipathy toward free trade. Uh, Hillary lost Michigan. No one saw that one coming. And I think she lost Michigan because of her support for free trade. So that makes the equation a little trickier. That's interesting, Mike. I mean, the secretary has to just come out and say it can be delayed. I mean, I guess that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see how this all breaks down once we get past the noise of the campaign and the Democrats yeah. have an actual nominee. But, uh, Greg, the, uh, the, the polls at this point don't capture necessarily the full panoply of emotions about this race. Well, I think that's right, and I think there's a lot more to come. A, a key issue here is, will Trump tone down the bombast? I'm sure he's going to get uh, uh, an earful in Washington on Thursday. If he can, if he can resist the attacks on women, which I think have hurt him badly, maybe this race does uh, tighten up, but right now he's still the underdog. Yeah. Help me, uh, Greg, with, and you're so good at this with your New Hampshire heritage. Mr. Ryan of Wisconsin, the first congressional district, I believe he happens to be Speaker of the House. He has an August primary, yeah. which I find remarkable in itself. 
it is basically, are we basically getting a Speaker of the House strategy completely overwhelmed by his primary realities? I don't think uh, Trump would uh, agree to a strategy of trying to take him out. You know, Sarah Palin has suggested it. I think that Ryan certainly is mindful of what happened to Eric Cantor two years ago, and I don't think Ryan's going to get caught by surprise. Here's a question. Other than certain cable TV networks that love to fill time with people who say incendiary things, does anybody care what Sarah Palin says anymore? I mean, does she have any following uh, good question, Mike. I don't know. That's that's a really good point. I think often when she says things, they're a contraindicator. Uh, they don't carry much weight. To, right. Mike, to Mike's good observation, and this is critical, Mr. Trump has a legitimate following. The yep. fact is he's accomplished a lot given the tone and who he is and everybody's outrage, et cetera, et cetera. Does he grow that following or does he walk away from it and find a new public? Where does that tilt right now? Well, that's why Ryan is so important. If he wants to grow that following, he's got to get the establishment behind him. And the, the problem is, I think the key issue here is that people like Ryan are opposed to Trump, not because of his bombast, but because he's not a true conservative. I think he's got to convince Ryan and the establishment that he's really one of them. Is he? I mean, you know, you read the no. policy better than any of us do. No, he's not. He's not one on issue after issue. He's a dove on foreign policy. He's a moderate on social policy. He sounds like Bernie Sanders on, on Wall Street and the banks, and he's a big spender. He is not one of them. Well, then, then what happens Thursday? Because um, Trump says he won't change his views, and Ryan can't change his views, or he has no credibility. Well, this is politics. People's views are constantly evolving. So I, I would say, uh, just out of necessity, they may come together and, and put a, a, a decent face on it. Frankly, I'd be surprised if it broke up in acrimony. I, I think they'll try to make it sound as if they're coming closer together. How does Secretary Clinton respond to this? Probably not not a, a lot. I mean, she'll have to respond to some of the sexual stuff that Trump has, has thrown at her. But I, I think what's the old uh, adage, if your enemy is self-destructing, don't do anything. Just stand by and watch it happen. So I, I don't think mm. she's going to get too involved in their internal fights. We will come back with Mr. Vallier and consider, as he mentioned earlier, maybe it was Michael that mentioned it, the Senate. We may even have to consider the House as well. It's getting interesting. I mean, it is May. We are miles from Cleveland and Philadelphia, for that matter. Yeah. And then we're even more miles from November. Something like 188 days or something like that, 185 yeah. days. Did I, did I tell you, Mike, that I love Justin Fox's Bloomberg view on junk food? <laughs> Just so you know, folks, we, we, do, we nibble we nibble at Fruit Loops. <laughs> Just that we nibble at Fruit Loops here at Bloomberg Surveillance. 4 a.m. to 2200 is when we nibble at Fruit Loops.